1: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly. Anthony for Puts it in. It's one. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category.
2: Fantasy basketball podcast sponsored by DraftKings. It's Friday, October 26th, 2018. Alex Barutha here sitting next to Shannon McEwen. Uh, Ken is not here, um, not via phone or in person. He's visiting family right now, but he will be here in person uh, for next week's podcast. Um, This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review or else you can listen and download on the RotoWire website. Uh, Today, we're going to get through some news as usual, talk about some first impressions uh, because we're uh, like 5% of the way through the season games wise, and then um, talk about some DFS picks at the end. Um, The top news or one of the top pieces of news right now is James Harden being out at least a week with a what Shams Sharania described as a grade one plus hamstring strain uh, which isn't exactly encouraging, but they he shouldn't be out longer than a week or two. Um, but Houston's 1-3 right now. They're getting Chris Paul back. Uh, they're playing the Clippers tonight. They're favored by four points. Do you feel like Houston will get their second win? How do you feel, I guess, about Houston in general because they have been underperforming?
1: I do. I do expect them to get their second win. Um, I mean, last season they've still played well enough when when Harden or Paul missed time. Um, you've got you've got Eric Gordon, got Carmel Carmelo Anthony who has shown signs of life this season. He's coming off a 38 point fantasy outing. Um, Capella still has has another level that he hasn't really hit yet this year that we know is coming. Uh, so so no, I'm I'm not I'm not that worried about tonight or long term for the Rockets. Uh, you know if if Harden or Chris Paul were out for an extent extended stretch then yeah I would be worried but Clippers they're playing the Clippers at at, and it's at home they should win that game even without Harden
2: yeah I would have to agree um the roster is yeah I mean a lot of it does kind of unfortunately fall on Carmelo Anthony who did essentially had the worst year of his career last season but they still have PJ Tucker um people are really high in james ennis eric gordon we know exactly what he's doing like he's leading the odds right now for six man of the year so um they definitely have talent to work with um houston um, is also still pursuing jimmy butler and they reportedly offered four first round picks uh, to minnesota to try to get jimmy butler do you think i guess for houston going after jimmy butler in this like really aggressive win now mode or move, I should say, is the right thing to do, and if that's the case, is offering four first round picks too much?
1: It, it's tough to say. I, I'd go both ways. Um, I, I think it's an okay move for them. Four first round picks is a lot, but the odds are, let's say, let's say the Rockets are a fairly good team for the entire, at least eighty percent of the. V- lifetime of those fir- first round picks, which they would be spread out over the course of like seven years. So it's not a given that the Rockets will be good that those entire seven years. The first two, three years, sure. Right. Um, I mean, if, if, if Jimmy Butler were willing to agree to an extension, um, you know, prior to the trade, then it would make more sense. But to have him for one season, it seems like a hell of a lot to give up, even if those picks end up being – you know the 25th or 28th pick in the first round. I mean, if you could guarantee me those picks are going to be from 20 to 30 and not 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 fall into the lottery, then I would be okay with it.
2: That's how I feel about it. I think I I would assume this this offer of the four first round picks is kind of like the with the understanding that Jimmy Butler would sign the extension because otherwise I I don't really see like I understand the point of doing the trade and that if you have Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, um, Carmelo Anthony, James Harden, that you have a really strong chance of winning a title. Um, but yeah, if that's if after one year that's gone, and Chris Paul is getting older, if his health starts to fail, all of a sudden you're paying him a ton of money, and you're really only great players, James Harden. You're yeah, running into some serious issues.
1: It's it's worrisome. Um, they also would have no depth because you have to send, so you have to send someone back to Minnesota. I mean, could that be Eric Gordon and someone else? I don't know, but your your depth is just going to be it's going to be ex- nothing. It's going to be thin as hell. So I guess they would probably rely on signing. Veterans who receive buyouts or get cut, things things of that nature, which which happens every year, uh, but in the in the immediate like the short term, if they make that trade, they will have zero depth.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a concern for Houston. Um, so Oklahoma City lost to Boston last night. Oklahoma City is now zero and four. They've played two games with Russell Westbrook. They're last in the league in offensive rating. And that's largely due to the fact that they're last in in the league in field goal attempts, three point attempts, or excuse me, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, and assists. Do you think that this 0-4 start is like largely a, a factor of like the the new people coming in? Like you have Schroeder in, Westbrook has only played two games, or does this to you feel more of like an overall roster issue like the roster just really isn't good enough are they in are they in danger of not making the playoffs this year is that is that realistic
1: i mean losing losing to the celtics and warriors not you know that's not a surprise right losing to the kings and clippers yeah that 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 is a surprise and it's cause for concern i'll, I'll write off the the clippers loss because you know it was in la they did not have westbrook but they lost to the Kings at home. Upon Westbrook's return, gave up 131 points to the Kings. Like it's you have to be worried at this point. Um, I, I it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. But at the same time, you know I would caution anyone, fan, fantasy player, whatever it may be, to not overreact to a four game stretch because whether right. it's like this looks worse because it's the first game, four games of the season. But if they lost these four games in february would it be an issue no probably not i mean they could they could easily run off a a 10 and 3 stretch from here and be fine but it, it it is somewhat worrisome i mean i actually look at the from a fantasy perspective i'm looking at westbrook and he's like eight for 16 from the line through these first two games and one of my big concerns about him other than the the knee injury which he's he's back he looks good he's getting a lot of minutes but his efficiency always is worried me it took a, it took a step backwards last year his free throw percentage was a career low field goal percentage wasn't good lots of turnovers of course and that's carried over this year i mean he shoot, he's i know it's only two games but he's 8 for 16 he's 50% from the line right now and if if he's not going to be if he's not going to be an elite free throw guy if he shoots 71 72% like he did last year like that that dings his overall fantasy value considerably
2: yeah, he takes so many free throws because he's such an aggressive player. He wants to get to the line. I think, I think i i watched the I watched the Sacramento game and I watched uh, the game last night. And to me, I guess I, I kind of knew this in the back of my head, but they have essentially zero three point shooting. Mm-hmm. The three so it, the three point shooting that they have, those guys really aren't starter caliber players, aside from Paul George, right? And then the starter caliber mm-hmm. players that they do have really aren't three point shooters. Like Nerlens Noel could start for a team. Like I like Jeremy Grant as a player. Those guys are great. I I like Dennis Schroeder. Those guys aren't three point threats. So it's like, do we put our talent on the floor and have no three point shooting, or do we put our three point shooting on the floor and just have a lack of talent? And it feels like you're playing some <laughs> game that it's just it's really hard to win that way. Um, so Denver lost to the lakers last night now as a result the pelicans are the only undefeated team in the west um i guess do are any are your impressions of any of those teams changed at all do you is are you concerned about denver with barton being out for about two months do you think that la um i want to say has turned a corner but the young players have played really well in the absence of brandon ingram and rondo and the Pelicans, I mean, clearly look v- like a very good team. Miritich is, is playing better than I think a lot of people expected. It. the field goal percentage is not sustainable, but they seem to be meshing really well as a team.
1: Yeah, I, with the with the Lakers, I, I do think they've turned a corner um, since Rondo and Ingram um, got suspended. You've got you've got wins against the Suns. In Phoenix, but they should win that game. They any team with LeBron needs to win a game against Phoenix Suns, <laughs> and and then the game against Denver was at home. It was also the second game of a back to back. That makes it really impressive in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like I like that Lakers team and what they have when they actually play the younger players. So my hope is, and what what I think this this suspension, the suspensions of Rondo and Ingram. Not, not Ingram, it's more about Rondo, all right? This team should focus on the younger core and, and, and integrating them and building them up with LeBron. So that means no Rondo. That means no Lance Stevenson, even though he was a big part of the Phoenix win. Like, they need to rely on those young guys. So you need Ingram, you need Ball. Like, Ball should be starting from here on out. I, I will be surprised after these two wins if they move Ball back to the bench roll.
2: Yeah, that would that would surprise me. Um I guess an important note about ball. We'll get to Hart actually a little later in the show, but he's ball right now is forty one percent from from beyond the arc. He's eleven of twenty seven. I'm um, basically the same amount of attempts per game as he was last season, so he's jumped about ten percent. I mean, is, is that something you feel like he can hover around forty percent, maybe thirty eight percent? I mean, do you think that the shot is like quote unquote fixed, like is you, th- you think those shooting issues are behind him i mean he's
1: he's up about 13 percent from just from the floor right you know 36 percent from the field last year up to 49 right now um like you mentioned about 10 percent jump from the from the um three-point line his free throw attempts which this is only five attempts yeah. so so don't don't get too worked up <laughs> But he's went from 45% to 80%. Um, he never should have been that bad of a free throw shooter, anyways. No, it's, it was pretty ridiculous. I mean, he only takes he only took 1.4 attempts per game last year. That's at one point or that's at one attempt per game this year. So it's not a huge impact on your fantasy roster. Um, but I do think it's it's legit. Do do I think it's this legit? Probably not. You know, like the forty-nine percent and forty-one percent from the field and, and downtown probably see a slight dip in that but if he if if this is a guy who shot again 36 percent last year if he's giving you 43 percent for this season you're damn happy
2: right he was a top 60 player even with his garbage percentages last season so yeah. that's something to keep in mind um but you were going to tell us about playline.
1: Yeah, Playline, great great new sponsor for the podcast. Everyone try playline.com. That's p l a y l i n e.com. The fastest growing fantasy sports plat- platform in the space. You got a chance to win a million dollars, 1 million dollars for free every single day. There's been over a million uh, 1 billion dollars in prizes available this year, founded by UFC champ Michael Bisping and two-time NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Playline.com is fantasy sports Simplified. Unlike more traditional fantasy sites, which require you to set complicated, tedious lineups using salary cl- sal- salary caps, Playline picks the players for you and only requires you to pick the line. So you pre- predict the stats. How many points is LeBron going to score tonight? How many rebounds will Anthony Davis pull down? How many assists will Chris Paul get? A lot with James Harden out of the lineup. So you lock it in, you wait and then you collect your winnings. For a limited time, Playline will be offering a 200% initial deposit bonus. They will triple your money. You can't beat that. Use promo code NBAMILLIONAIRE, no spaces, NBAMILLIONAIRE, to to claim that 200% deposit bonus. So... We have a RotoWire contest on we Playline night. I'm excited about it. Um, if you are interested in playing, which you all should be, just go to their go to their lobby um, again. Playline.com. Um, use that NBA Millionaire promo code. Sign up, get your deposit bonus. Our contest is in. Like I said, it's in their lobby. It's under RotoWire.com presents, and it's a uh, it's a three headed monster of players that we have to predict the lines for.
2: It is uh, Anthony Davis. Youngestagga de Kumbo and James Harden. Um, the James Harden one kind of—he's injured. He's not going to play.
1: Yeah, and the way play line works is if 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 there's a late scratch or a player doesn't play, he's just essentially removed. Like no one gets negative points for it or anything else. You don't have to worry about checking your lineups. So so tonight, assuming James Harden is out, which is is the case, you know, we'll just have to predict the lines for for Unibrow and Freak. Now the lines. And how to approach this? I'm trying. I'm still. I'm. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I love playing this game. It's yes. simple, but you can really dive in and crunch the numbers too. It's like it's like however you choose to attack it, you can go numerous routes. Um, I. I mean, one thing I would caution is take a close look at the matchup, matchups, look at pace, everything else. Maybe you know if you're trying to figure out how many points, how many rebounds, how many assists Anthony Davis is going to have tonight. Look at his matchup. See what the pace of the play will be. What the over/under is for Vegas. Get a good grasp on on who his individual matchup is as well. I think that goes into play. Like, I mean, how else can you attack it? Like, what other angles would you look at?
2: I don't know. I think um, you can you can take advantage maybe of some underperforming players. Um, People might be more like, let's say. I mean, Youngest is, is playing MVP caliber, but let's say he's coming off like two poor games. You might be able to, uh, you know, if you look at his field goal attempts and you're like, well, those are still up and his assists are down, but the team had been shooting poorly. Maybe, yeah. you know, everyone else will kind of be down on, <clears throat> on Giannis for a specific game, but you can go, Hey, his field, it's just, he had a couple of bad games. I think you'll have a bounce back game. Yeah. Um, you can go up there and yeah, like you said, specific matchup. You talk about pace, you talk about, I mean, tonight who, who you have,
1: you have the Nets, Anthony Davis is going up against the Nets, right. and Giannis is going up against Minnesota. Um, and and Minnesota has been a very a very porous defense to this point. Um, you also have to look at Giannis and the um, crazy amount of rebounds he's getting. Right, I mean, he's getting yes. sixteen boards per game right now. Um, I actually look for that to continue uh, tonight against Minnesota. Um. Basically, what the Bucks do is they you have you have Lopez out on the perimeter, yes. so he pulls the opposing center out. Like my guess is, I don't know if they'll have Cat. They'll probably have Cat, um, Garden Lopez. Maybe Taj Gibson will a little bit, but you're going to pull out that big man, and then what all the other Bucks players do for rebounds. Is they just they box out their guy and they basically leave the lane open for Giannis to go crash and grab the board. Yes. I mean it happens all game long, um, so I expect his big rebound numbers to continue and probably have an, a great outing uh, on that front tonight um, with Davis and the Nets. You know, Andre Drummond had a monster game in that season opener against the Nets. I feel like it's just a team that most big men are going to go post strong right. games. So I you know. It's Anthony Davis is always going to have a strong game. Um, I think this will be one of his better ones tonight.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only, in my opinion, the only thing you really worry about with the Boston or, excuse me, the Brooklyn New Orleans game is a blowout potential. We talked about New Orleans being like very locked in before. They haven't lost a game yet. They could go up by 30 by the third quarter, and then, you know, Davis might finish with, you know, 20 something points, maybe 10 boards. That's a concern, but. You, you can you can always play devil's advocate with that and say, well maybe he'll get, you know, thirty-five minutes of production in twenty-eight minutes then. Um, he'll be guarded by Jared Allen and like Jared Allen's been really good this year, but I still don't trust him to guard Anthony Davis. No, I trust virtually all. nobody to guard Anthony Davis. So
1: the one stat that that really interests me with Anthony Davis is his assist because you know he's averaging a career high right now by by astronomical amount. You know, he's averaging seven assists per game. So does that continue? Is he still going to be dropping five six seven dimes a game or is it going to be level off and be something more comparable to what we've seen in past years yeah. um i don't know i don't know i, I think it will <laughs> there's no way he's gonna you know he's not gonna have a point guard level uh, assist numbers throughout the entirety of the season but is he good enough does he have the ball in his hands enough to average four or five assists a game absolutely
2: yeah I think so and something that like people used to talk about with Anthony Davis that they don't as much anymore is Anthony Davis played point guard yes like growing up so he, he can dribble he can pass like these aren't weird foreign skills to him that he's picking up along the way Um, just happened to you know be pushed to be a better post player and stuff like that because he's seven feet tall Um. but so I think we can move on now to our first impression some first impressions of the season um these are gonna kind of these might kind of be all over the place with fantasy and 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 betting and just leaders in general. Um I just wanna we were talking about Giannis, so I'm just gonna quickly start off with him. He's per the fan sports sportsbook, Giannis has now moved up to be the favorite to win MVP. Prior to the season he was tied with LeBron and tied with Anthony Davis, but now he's the favorite at plus seven fifty over LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are still both plus four ten. Does does that whole does do those three players lines being where they are make sense to you? So yeah, Giannis
1: is plus three fifty, um, which does make sense. I, I would say he and Anthony Davis should be the clear leaders right. and the clear favorites for at this point of the season. Um, you know, I remember when the Lions first came out in Vegas and I saw Giannis wasn't like wasn't top two or three or whatever, I I was I couldn't believe it. Right. You know, I, I, I actually don't think LeBron should be top three. I think he's only there because he's LeBron. Because um, you, you have other very strong candidates. You have Kawhi Leonard, um, Jokic in Denver. There, there's plenty of guys. I mean, this, there are so many elite players playing at elite levels, and their teams are going to be successful this season, that this could be one of the deepest um, pools of MV, MVP talent that we've seen in a while.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um it you know, to me, the there's not really the only path to LeBron winning MVP is the Lakers getting at least the four seed home court advantage, yeah, first they, round. And the Cavs continuing to be <clears throat> absolute trash.
1: Well, the Cavs will continue to be trash. Right. I promise you that. But no, the Lakers need to win like fifty five games. I, I mean, if they win forty nine games, LeBron is not gonna get MVP unless unless other unless other players just tank or, you know, tank it and do not do what they've been doing through the first week of the season. And I don't, I don't envision that happening. There's too many other good players, good options that are going to have monster lines and their teams are going to be successful. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, the the Raptors could have the most wins in the NBA again this year. Um, and the and Kawhi Leonard would be the reason why. So, you know, he would get an edge over LeBron, Anthony Davis, Giannis, you know, we haven't even talked about guys like Damian Lillard. Like there's there's tons of dudes. I mean, when you have when you have a guy like Dame Lillard who might end up being like the twelfth best N V P option and he puts up and he's you know, maybe puts up the best season of his career and right and Portland Portland wins more games than anyone projected. It just It's tough to tell. It's going
2: to be a really deep field and lots of fun to watch. It will be. Um, And, yeah, I was just – We didn't even say Steph Curry, which – yeah, at league in the league and scoring right now. Um, And you mentioned Kawhi Langer. That that was making me check up on his stats again. So right now he's averaging a career-high 28 points a game. He's taking 21 shots a game, 51% from the field, 47% from three, averaging career-high in rebounds his steals and blocks are down. Um, but I guess he's had. I, I don't want to call it like a quiet season so far because the the Raptors have played like really well and he's obviously playing well. Um, but I feel like a lot of the attention has just been on other players uh, as far as like we just, all the guys we mentioned, Davis, LeBron, Giannis, the Rockets even. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to throw in there that <clears throat> Kawhi is actually having like a really good season yeah he's right
1: there he's just never going to have those monster like he's not going to have a 35 and 15 game right like he's going to be more like like he had 35 points the other night but it went with five rebounds two assists two blocks two steals you know shot 65 percent from the floor all great like absolute great production but that's more Kawhi's game than the outlandish numbers that like a Giannis with a triple double or, or anthony davis puts up
2: um so we can quickly touch on some of the uh, statistical leaders um, as of Friday morning. Uh, League in the League in points is Curry with 34.6 per game. Uh, League in the League in assist technically is Rajon Rondo at 10.5, but that I'm going to assume will come down, and he's only played two games. So under him is Kyle Lowry, which I actually think is really interesting, um maybe we should have assumed that Lowry would have the ball in his hands more when DeRozan uh got traded but I was not expecting him to be essentially averaging like tw- I think 25 and 10 um 20 and 10 so far this year Andre Drummond league in the league and rebounding at 7.8 is not too much of a surprise Jimmy Butler league in the league and steals at 3.8 not much of a surprise uh Anthony Davis league in the league in blocks again kind of what we're expecting it's the
1: guys for each of these categories. It's the guys who are are right below it that are the crazy ones, right? right. Um, like for for assist. I mean, not necessarily for assist, uh, because you have you know if we, we'll include Rondo, even sure. though he's played only two games. You've got Rondo, Lowry, LeBron James, James Harden, but then Drew Holiday, you know, comes in at fifth. That that's somewhat of a surprise. Even more of a surprise, JJ Berea. Is uh, at eight point five assists per game, tied with uh, Ben Simmons. Obviously, that's not going to continue. He just doesn't see enough run. You know, he only plays twenty minutes a game, so that there, he's not going to continue averaging eight and a half assists. Good, uh, good target though if you're looking for some some assists if you need help in that category. Um, rebounds. Let's let's talk about the guys. <laughs> yeah, let's, who yeah. who are below Drummond again. Drummond, not a surprise, but Giannis sixteen point five rebounds. It's just absolutely insane. I didn't see anyone projecting him for anything of the sort, like any kind of breakout in the rebound category. If anything, you probably saw an increase in his assist and scoring. So just, I mean, he averaged 10 rebounds per game last year, and now he's averaging 16 and a half. And I fully expect it to continue after watching it through four games. Not not at this level. Like, I don't expect him to have (laughs) Shaq-level rebounding, but... Is he is he good for like 12, 13, maybe 14 rebounds per game?
2: I think that's a lock in my opinion like the way that they're doing it is really similar to how the thunder clear out for Russell Westbrook right except Giannis right. is seven feet tall yes and um, is and it's it's important to keep in mind it's not like he's getting 15 defensive rebounds a game he's getting four and a half offensive rebounds as well like he does work on the offensive glass um, he's sixth right now in offensive rebounding um behind DeMontis Sabonis which is really interesting um but yeah I mean I, I I've gone to two of the the Bucs four games they really just clear out let him get the ball immediately um before the season they had like pictures and video of Holzer. he put like these he put tape on the court on the wings and the corners and if you watch the Bucks, immediately when they get on that fast break off a miss Two guys run to the corners, two guys run to the wing, and Giannis runs right up the middle with the ball. And so, it, it's that's that's the game plan. They stick to it. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't be surprised if it if it continued being around that range.
1: So with with the scoring leaders, um, after Steph Curry averaging a ridiculous thirty four point six, after that we've got Blake Griffin at thirty three and a half points, Zach Levine thirty two points. Lillard, thirty-two, just under thirty-two. Kemba Walker, thirty-one. Again, just insanity. I mean, the pace of play and scoring and stats this season have just been through the roof. It's, it's. I don't know if conti- continue at this at this level. Like, I mean, it, look at there are we have what six six dudes, seven dudes that are averaging thirty six, points. Yeah, like there's usually maybe one guy who averages thirty points per game. Um, the rebounding, there were like. A dozen who are averaging twelve or more rebounds per game. Usually, if you average twelve or thirteen, you're you're damn close to the league leader. Yeah. So it's it's really it's been crazy first week, and we're going to continue to see it. I mean, just a, a even more of an emphasis on three point shooting, right. um, which has sped up the pace, the scoring provides more rebounds. Um, we've got we've got four dudes who are hitting more than four three pointers per game right now. Uh, Curry six point six. Kemba Walker, 4.8, 4. Chris Middleton, 4.5, J.J. Reddick at 4. Um, just a ton of dudes who are taking a lot of three-pointers. Um, there are about 25 guys who take seven or more three-pointers per game now.
2: That is a ton. It's um, bonkers. Yeah, I I mean, I in general, I expect it to continue, and I think as, as the years go by, it would surprise me if more teams – you know, if the, the ratio of three-point shots to, to it's gonna big be, range two is just—
1: There was already—I know, like, uh, I think it's, it's something like 14 out of the top 20 seasons ever for most uh, three-point attempts. Um, if it, everything continues—this was through, like, three games. If everything continues on that pace, like, 14 of the top 20 seasons ever for, on, on the team level would be this season and the rockets the rockets record that they broke each of the last two years would would be broken again this season so by like two or three teams so it's it's an insane pace that that we're playing at and just the way the three point shot has really evolved and become the key key point of attack for the vast majority of teams in the league
2: yeah and um i think the 14 second offensive rebound shot clock is to some extent part of that i don't think that's as big of a reason as just the general focus on three-pointers and the focus on the referees to call more off-ball fouls where yeah. guys are being held around screens. I mean, we're seeing J.J. Redick, and we'll get to him in a second. We're seeing J.J. Redick just – I mean, he's he's averaging 21 points a game right now. He's hitting four threes. He's one of the guys you mentioned because guys aren't allowed to hold him anymore. And So when you can run around screens like that, it's a lot easier to get open looks to force this team to teams to switch – on those some of those off ball screens and then you get mismatches um, and take advantage of stuff but um, there are some well, i have a list of four guys right now and who for nine category fantasy leagues are top 15 players that if you have them on your team they could easily be winning your league uh, for you unless you're dealing with significant injuries or you draft really poorly otherwise uh, at the top of the list Nikola Vucevic, um, a lot of people were relatively down on him. I'll say I was among those um, because Mobamba was in town, but Bamba doesn't really look NBA ready right now. He's he is an elite shot blocker. He's blocking a shot every ten minutes. So you can't. I mean, that's those that's happening.
1: Mobamba is an elite shot blocker. Yes. Yeah. Not Vuce. Not Vuce. Not Vuce.
2: Right. Um, but other than that, he's he's not really looking like an NBA player right now. So Vucevic has been um tearing it up lately um best player on the magic (laughs) as of right now uh 23.4 points 10.4 rebounds 4.8 assists and a combined 2.6 steals and blocks i mean i if he keeps getting these minutes i think some of these will come down to some extent but we know that vucevic is always a 20 and 10 threat we know he's a solid passer and we know he can hit threes now um i mean do you do you expect this like general production to continue
1: they're not they're not crazy numbers right that's that's why i think the the 4.8 assist is somewhat unreasonable just because i mean career high of 3.4 i i don't think he's gonna have the the ball in his hands enough you know you can also look at the scoring he's shooting a career high 57 he's a career 50 shooter um his three-point attempts, he's only taking hes only taking two attempts per game right now, but he's hitting 78% of them. So I, <laughs> I would caution to expect this sort of production, but the thing about Vooch is he was great last year, right? I mean, he averaged set, just under 17, 9, and 3.5, and, and everyone kind of expected him to take a step back this season. Instead, its he's gone the other way. I think we're, we'll end up with production closer to last year. So, you know, 17, 10, four assists, but that's damn good. You know, the, the steals and blocks, he averaged 2.1 combined last season to the year before that. So that's legit. Three point shooting, he proved last year he can hit it. Is he going to continue hitting 78% of his threes? <laughs> no. But I do, you know, I, I think he's going to hold. He's not going to hold as a top 20 fantasy player, uh, but people will be pleasantly surprised, you know, who got him in the fifth fifth maybe sixth round you're getting a top 40 guy probably for the rest of the season
2: yeah yeah and you might i don't want to say you should trade him while his numbers are up like this i would yeah i mean it might not be a bad call especially because there is a chance that come the all-star break that he might get moved um he's still a rel- relatively young player so the magic could theoretically hang on to him but it just doesn't really make a ton of sense with bomba around unless for some reason they're very down on bomba so if Vucevic got traded, his numbers would probably go down. Um, yeah, it might be a might be a sell high kind of a candidate. Here, candidate.
1: Here's a couple guys. So, would you trade him for Marcus Gasol? Um, Gasol was was drafted a couple rounds earlier than Vucevic yeah.
2: this year. I'm actually not sure about that. I w-
1: I would not. I would not. I, I don't blame anyone who would, but I would not make that trade. What about Quint
2: Capella? Capella's tough because his free throw percentage is so bad. If you're in a head-to-head league and you're not really concerned about the free throw percentage, I think you do it. But Roto, I would would maybe hesitate because Vucevic gives you a lot of production three-point-wise. Not a lot of production three-point-wise, but he hits them. He's always been efficient, and he'll knock down his free throws. The last one, uh, Aaron Gordon. Oh, man. I... I think I would want Aaron Gordon. Okay, um, I mean so it's, not, it's not close <clears throat> right now, right? I mean, no, it's not close right now. And the the concern for me with Aaron Gordon is that his shock attempts have been down. I played him in, in DraftKings yesterday and got got burned. Uh, but he he's only averaging in the in the past <laughs> three games, he's only averaging eleven point three field goal attempts per game, which is shocking if we're being honest.
1: It's You know what's worried me about Aaron Gordon um, is his downturn in production, because he had a great two games to start the season, um, has concurred with Jonathan Isaac starting to ramp up his production. So I'm just wondering if those two, you know, is it always going to be one or the other? Are they both going to be able to have productive nights at the same time? It'll be be something interesting to watch.
2: Yeah, Um, and – Go ahead. Uh, the the team is just a very strange, hard to predict mess to some extent right now. I mean, you have Terrence Ross averaging twelve points a game and getting twenty five minutes a night. Essentially, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Like you can, depending on your league, like you can add Terrence Ross. Like I don't think that's a stretch. Um, like you, you mentioned, Isaac, um, DJ Augustine's averaging you know eight points and five assists, but he's been getting more minutes lately. So it's they're really just strange team right now they're two and three which is not not too bad uh can i think a lot of people predict them to be to be much worse and they have wins over miami and boston which is very unexpected
1: there's still no way they win more than 35 games no no
2: no um another guy who we kind of touched on before jj Redick, is a top 15 player right now uh he is averaging 21 points a twenty-one point two could be specific. Three point six assists, three point four rebounds. But uh, what's really helping you is the four three pointers. Do you think? And we kind of touched on this before with the with the new rules about off ball fouls and guys holding. Do you think that uh, this twenty point per game thing for Reddick with about four threes a game is is sustainable? I mean, we he he had an advantage the other night. I will admit, with Ben Simmons was was not playing, and Reddick had a just an amazing game um and it was an overtime game but he averaged 17 points last year
1: yeah i i would say you're right i mean the stats are you know heavily impacted by his two back-to-back 30-point outings the one of one of those games was when ben simmons got hurt and basically did not play the last three quarters and the other was when ben simmons sat out Um, in games when ben simmons plays the entire all four quarters Reddick's only averaging about 16 points per game, 15 points per game. So I do not look at him. I mean, depending on depending on the lineup or the 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 format you play in, he's he's a top 50, 60 player, top 15 in some formats. I don't expect him to continue doing what he's doing. I mean, nothing's fake about it. It's just more about the volume. Like he's going to continue shooting 44% from the floor, 93% from the line. These are things he does. You know, he hits four, three pointers per game right now. He's not going to continue to hit four, but it's mainly just because the volume's not going to be there. The volume's been increased because of the two games that Ben Simmons missed. You know, as soon as that, as soon as that team's at full strength, reddick's production is going to go down it's going to be you know even if and if you're a fultz believer then you also believe that reddick's going to have less and less of a role than he did last season because fultz is just going to be able to assume more minutes and more responsibility so i mean reddick's a guy if you're able to sell high on him i think it'll be hard to sell high on on you know a whatever 32 year old shooting guard <laughs> but uh if you can yeah do it
2: yeah yeah i, I think that's a good call the Like you said, it's encouraging the the percentages are realistic. And his three point attempts, I mean, he's he's up almost three point attempts per game, which is a lot. Like he's taking, you know, 9.4 threes a game. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he finished with a career high in scoring. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he surpassed the 17.1 points per game he averaged last year.
1: I think that's a somewhat hot take. Like there's no way, you know, four or five games ago, You would have said that, right? I mean, there's no way before the season started that you're going to pro- project him to be to finish with more than 17 points per game.
2: I don't think I would have, yeah. if we're being honest. I mean, I've been, I've I've watched a lot of JJ Redick the past two years because I watch a lot of Philly basketball. Seems like he's been getting better every year. Like he keeps getting older, but I feel like he's been getting better.
1: He's it's- he's just been locked into his role for so long. Like essentially since he joined the Clippers or even like you can go the year before that, when he played for Milwaukee and Orlando, he's basically been in the exact same role where he plays 29 minutes, you know, takes 12 shots per game. Half of those are three pointers and he scores somewhere between 13 to 15 points. And I just think that's what we should expect this year. Maybe because the pace of play has sped up, you'll see a slight improvement, but I th- I think it'll be hard for him by the end of the season to still be averaging 15 or 16 shots per game and averaging more than 17 points like he did last year.
2: Yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to watch. Um, we have two more players: Josh Hart um, of the Lakers, who's averaging uh, 15.6 points, 5.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, and a combined 3.8 steals and blocks. Um, Are you concerned that the steals and blocks numbers are completely unrealistic, um, but that the other numbers may be able to stick?
1: So I show I show his steals and blocks numbers are only at um, two point eight, which is still oh, damn good.
2: I may um, have I I did this this morning through CBS's no, website. It may not have updated yeah, properly. There you
1: go. There you go. I, I I mean we'll we'll have to double check to see which is correct. But he's averaging two point two steals per game, um, and over about zero point six blocks. Still damn good. But really, I mean it's the 15, 15 points, five rebounds, two and a half three pointers. Um, the reason why I'm buying Josh Hart, you know, before the season started, I thought KCP gave the Lakers good perimeter defense, some outside shooting, and that's kind of what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they didn't want another player who could dominate the ball like Josh Hart can. Right. But watching, after watching, I've, I've watched three of the Lakers games so far this year, and every time, and I saw a lot of Josh Hart in summer league, saw a lot of them in preseason, and I've just, every time I watch the guy, I come away impressed. He's one of the few guys on that Lakers roster who can actually spread the floor and hit the three. So I just, that capability alone, I think, is going to ensure that he has a role of like 27, 28 minutes per game moving forward, even when the team's healthy. Yeah. You know, I, even I, even when they're dealing with suspensions. And with that, you know, if it, with how explosive he is and talented he is, if he's getting 27, 28 minutes, Will will he continue at the current pace? You know, no. But will he be a top 100 player, fancy player from here on out? I would say yes.
2: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. The percentages are high, but they shouldn't come down a ton. I mean, he's at 51% from the field, 45% from three. But last year he was 47% from the field, yeah. 40% from three. It's.
1: I mean, it's not, it's legit. I think it's, it's there's slight, um, you know, there's probably gonna be a slight dip, but it's not that, Crazy of an improvement from his rookie season. Right. Um, and his free throw percentage is actually really, really down right now. He doesn't take a lot of free throws, so it doesn't impact your team much. Um, but that's going to improve. He's not a 54% guy from the line. He's going to probably, probably be more along the lines of where he was at last year.
2: Right. And as he continues to just, I mean, he'll, he, he's more aggressive. He's getting to the line more. So um, hopefully that goes up and he'll become more impactful. Uh, last guy uh, we have to mention, uh, JaVale McGee averaging 25 minutes a game right now um i don't think most i don't think most sites were projecting him to get over 20 i think that kind of i I think a lot of people thought oh maybe zubach will get 10 kuzma's gonna play minutes at center um but 25 minutes a game he's averaging 17 points which is by far (laughs) would be a career high like not even close his previous career high um was 11.9 if you count the fact that that was part of a half season in washington He's leading the league right now in blocks with 2.8. He's getting almost a steal a game. Seven rebounds, um, which is on pace, like, close to his career highs. Um, Shooting a just incredible 63% from the field. um, Hitting a solid 65% of his free throws. Um, And, hey, he's knocked down a three. Um, do Do you expect these to come down dramatically at any point? Like, the... I mean the scoring the is probably scoring, the one. The
1: scoring, yes. Yeah, the scoring, yes, because right now he's getting a lot of easy putback dunks, he's getting fed by LeBron uh, for some easy easy bunnies. I don't expect that to continue at the clip it currently has. Like he he's the only shots he's going to take are dunks basically. So his free throw per, or I'm sorry, his field goal percentage will continue to be extremely, you know, extremely strong. Um, but is he going to have 12 attempts per game? No, I, I, I don't I don't expect that to continue. I think it's gonna dip to more like seven or eight attempts per game. Um, I mean, even the last few years, you know, he was only playing ten minutes a game for the Warriors or, or previous teams that he was on. and in those instances, he would, he'd take about four shots per game. So let's let's double that playing time and get you at like eight shots. I think eight or nine shots is about what he'll get the scoring the efficiency will go down a little bit um he'll probably get down to 55 58% so i mean i'm looking at i would pit i i would pit him at 11 points and seven rebounds with a couple blocks per game if the minutes stay
2: where they're at my so this is this is a really interesting discussion because i feel like the shots that he's getting aren't forced and Not at all. Not no and um 17 points does seem high for JaVale but I'm actually I'm a basketball reference here I'm looking at his field goal attempts per 100 possessions throughout his career and over the past four years it's always been above 17 per 100 possessions this year it's 21 field goal attempts per game last year was 17 the year before it was 21 the year before it was 18 and that's around what his numbers were I mean that's about his career numbers so uh, the possessions are way higher in the league is getting the minutes it's it's it i mean it, as we say that Javale mcgee is averaging 17 and that his shot attempts per 100 possessions are not absurd compared to the rest of his career i'm not as willing to put him like if we're talking 14 over under i'll just take the over
1: You'll take the over on 14 points per yeah, game? Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, he's essentially Tristan Thompson, West Coast. That's why the Lakers signed him. <laughs> you know, he's the West Coast version of Tristan Thompson. I don't expect production. It's not going to continue at the level it has. Um, but because he blocks shots, you know, at an elite level, you know, unlike Tristan Thompson, who doesn't do that, um, McGee's going to have solid fantasy value. So anyone who grabbed him kudos like it's going to continue just yeah the scoring is going to drop off a cliff um so let's i want to talk about yes. some of the first impressions i have yes um you know we talked about greek freak is rebounding a little bit so we already covered that zach Levine, as we mentioned he's one of the guys who's over 30 points per game number three behind uh curry and my boy blake and i actually i just earlier this week, you know, Chris Dunn was coming back after being away from the team for personal reasons. And I was like, okay, this is it. Levine's going to, he's going to start dropping off a little bit, but now Dunn's out for an extended stretch. And now Portis is out for an extended stretch. And I actually think like, eventually you are going to want to sell high on Zach Levine, but don't do it for like another month. Like right. wait, wait <laughs> until wait until Dunn and Markinon and Porter are all nearing a return. Maybe maybe like two weeks before they return, and then trade Levine because sure. the next few weeks he is going to just have stellar production and it's going to continue.
2: That's a really good point. And we did a uh, a roundtable the other day uh, that Nick Whalen set up, and uh, he brought up the question: Would you rather have Zach Levine? Eric Bledsoe or Trey Young for the rest of the season so do you do you think do you did you pick Levine I picked Levine okay so you would you would not trade Zach Levine for Eric Bledsoe I would not I I
1: would not trade Trey Young for Eric Bledsoe either I actually yeah I mean I a lot of people had Bledsoe as their top pick in that I Bledsoe is my third but I honestly believe all three of them are so damn close sure like there, it's just personal preference between any of those three. I just like the fact that with Levine and Trey Young, they are both the number one option on their team. True. You could are you know, you could argue Torian Prince or John Collins once he returns, but no, no. Trey Young is the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands yes. at all times for the Hawks. So Levine and, and, and Young to me, like they're always going to be the number one option on their team. Even, I mean. Bledsoe needs like multiple injuries to be the number one option on the Bucks. And they're good they're good. They're fine. But the Bucks are deeper. Uh they're mm-hmm. more competitive than the than the Hawks or Bulls. So I just I don't I don't see Bledsoe being able to hop over those two as far as fantasy production goes this year.
2: Yeah, that's uh that's definitely an important point to make. Um did you have anything else? Any other first impressions before we jump to this, some DraftKings?
1: Yeah, some some general stuff. Don't overreact about good or bad shooting. So, with bad shooting, we've got guys like C.J. McCollum, Donovan Mitchell, Clay Thompson. I mean, we were talking before the podcast. Clay Thompson shooting fifteen percent from downtown right now. <laughs> that, that's absurd. It's just a cold stretch. It's four games. So if this like, um, you know, like a team winning or losing four games at the start of the season with if Clay Thompson had this cold stretch or Donovan Mitchell or CJ McCollum if they had this cold stretch four games in February or January would you even notice it would you worry about it probably not it would just be a four game stretch so don't don't get too worried about it those guys are all great shooters they're going to continue to do really well you know conversely you can look at other guys who are who are off to hot shooting starts and don't overreact and think like hey this Joe Ingles guy he's really good I like having him on my team, but guess what? He's not going to shoot 54% all season. When all he does is take three pointers or jump shots. Like he's a career 45% shooter. It's not, you know, age 48 or whatever he is. I know his profile (laughs) pick looks like he's at least 48. He is not, there's there's no way this guy is six years younger than me. Joe Ingles. I'm not saying I look good. I do not look good, but I don't look older than Joe Ingles. (laughs) And he, you know, I've got him by six years. There's no way that guy continues. He's great. Joe Ingles is a top 75 fantasy player, um, but after the first couple games, he was shooting like 70 percent from downtown, and everybody thought he was going to be the MVP. No, like if you can cash in on guys who are just shooting a ridiculous percentage from the floor or from downtown, do it, and don't overreact to your players who who are struggling with their shots at this time.
2: Yeah, and that's um, that can that can lead us a little bit um, into our into our DraftKings picks. Um but um you know as <laughs> as everyone knows, basketball season is here and we do have a partnership with DraftKings. We're very happy about it. We can bring you Rotowire six month memberships for free. Here's how it works. You go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new account, make a ten dollar deposit or more. That's right, you'll get six months access to all tools and sports on rotowire.com which includes DFS, lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, and much more all for $10, which you can then enter in a contest to potentially win more. We are super excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions.
1: Eligibility restrictions apply. Uh, New DraftKings users only. Check out their website for all those details. Yes. Um, All right, so now, but DraftKings, this is my favorite part of the podcast every week. Um, Picking DFS options for the Friday night slate. Friday night slates are always gigantic. I love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and um, like Shannon was mentioning, not overreacting to great or poor shooting starts. For DFS purposes, a huge thing you want to pay attention to. Like I mentioned before, I got burned by Aaron Gordon. I should have seen it coming. He was only averaging like 11, 12 field goal attempts per game. Field goal attempts, minutes per game, increased opportunities, those things are really important to give yourself um, a, a great chance of all your players going off um in one night but do you want to leave us off sharing with some guys you like
1: yeah i mean for tonight there are a couple interesting recent injuries that have opened up playing time higher usage um we, we mentioned bobby portis is out in chicago now so that means jabari parker it's his time it is his time to shine jabari parker is going to be in the starting lineup tonight i mean he has to be there's no way they don't start him right. so he's going to start um, he's going to take a back seat to, to our boy Zach Levine, but he's still going to be the number two scoring option on that team, and I expect him to fill it up. Um, how much is Jabari tonight on DraftKings? I think he's like 5,500. Yeah, 5,500. Yeah. He's going to be an easy value. Um, I, I can't imagine he doesn't hit 30 fantasy points. He is, um, even even when he was coming off the bench, he's been steady 25, 27, 30 fantasy points. He, I mean, he could go off for 40 fantasy points tonight. Um, my my other favorite injury fill-in and I honestly if you if if you told me before the season name 3 guys who you never who you won't pick for a DFS lineup <laughs> at all this season, this would be one of the 3. Carmelo Anthony with with James Harden out. I just think Carmelo's going to have a big game. Um you know, we had Harden left the previous game against the Jazz due to the injury and Melo played 39 minutes. He took seventeen shots and had thirty nine fantasy points on draftkings. He is only forty nine hundred dollars. i just it's it's not it's not the same mellow it's not prime mellow, but the fact is the Rockets are going to need him to take fifteen to 20 shots tonight and he's yeah. going to play lots of minutes so he's going to have a good fantasy night
2: right and it basically if he gets at least thirty fantasy points you've you've kind of done your job as far as you know price to output ratio um If you're if you're looking for another low price guy in the four thousands, I have Montrezl Harrell as an option at forty six hundred, going against Houston. We know Houston loves to play fast. Um, Harrell used to play on the Rockets and had his uh, season high forty two point five fantasy points this year against Houston. um, Earlier in the month, Um, he's a guy he probably won't get more than twenty five minutes on any given night. It is a risk to play him, but he, I mean, 25-plus fantasy points is not out of the question. Like I said, he got 42-and-a-half the other night. I don't, I'm not expecting that, per se, but um, he's a great option for the Clippers because I don't expect Marcin Gortat or Boban Marniagovic to run up and down the floor against Houston. So I assume Harold will get a lot of time.
1: Yeah, with that matchup, you think he would be he'd be a good fit to see more run than usual.
2: Right. Yeah, That's that's my thought about it. Um, a second guy I have is Eric Bledsoe, um, against Minnesota, uh, Bledsoe, we kind of talked about him before where he's not like, he's not the first option of Milwaukee, but he's a guy who he rarely turns the ball over. He hasn't turned the ball over more than twice in a game so far this year. He hasn't slipped below 29 fantasy points. His game, his fantasy point production is 29, 39, 48, 38 um and he's at 6600 right now which i feel like is a steal he has high upside for steals and blocks um he's a good passer so there's a lot of ways that eric bledsoe can get to 40 fantasy points and um yep. i like guys who can who can fill up stashy sheet in a variety of ways
1: absolutely and i mean he's at 38 and a half fantasy points on average for for draft and he's only at 6600 so I mean, if you can fill your roster with a bunch of guys who are in that six six to seven thousand dollar range who are have that forty point upside, and with with Bledsoe, that's basically been like that's been his average, yeah, right. you know, thirty nine fantasy points. That's damn good. So, you know, he's cheaper than he he's only four hundred dollars more expensive than than uh, than Russell, and D'Angelo Russell is averaging ten less fantasy points per game. So, you know, you've got uh, Luca is sixty eight. Hundred, and he's averaging less fantasy points per game. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, having a great start to the season. He's more expensive than Bledsoe, and he's not doing as well as Bledsoe production-wise. So Bledsoe is definitely underrated, and I think it's, he didn't, you know, he and Zach Levine did not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> um, we just we just appreciate their abilities, and, and that Zach Levine is one of my other guys. Um, kind of like Bledsoe, I mean, we've talked about, Zach Levine's just, Ridiculous. Uh, the Bulls are short-handed, so it's the Levine and Parker show tonight. Um, Zach Levine is one of the few guys who's under eight thousand and can get you. Like I think he's a lock for forty fantasy points tonight, mm-hmm. and there's a very good chance he'll hit fifty. Now that Portis is out and that team's even thinner, um, there's not many guys who are under eight thousand who can get you fifty fantasy points, and he's one of them. So that's he and Mirtich is another. Um 7400 Miratitsch is averaging 46 and a half fantasy points right. per game and he's under 8000. I mean there are other guys who cost a $1000 more who aren't nearly as productive as Miritich has been this year. So I will go with those guys who give me an extra $1000 to spend elsewhere and give me that 40-50 point upside.
2: Both those guys are great options. Um yeah, cooled down a little bit uh in the most recent game after essentially averaging 30 and 10 but his field goal attempts stayed pretty steady. He's at 20, 21, and 18 field goal attempts. Like I mentioned before, that's really one of the most important things you can look at um, for Daily Fantasy. Levine's the same way. He's been at 19, 21, 15, and 22. Um, it would surprise me uh, if he'd be under 20 field There's goal no attempts. way, yeah.
1: With, yeah. with with everyone who's out, with Dunn, and Portis out, there's no way he doesn't get 20. and And that's with... You know, and with Parker, who I think is going to chuck up a good 16,
2: 17 shots tonight as well. Yeah, Um, we're going to stay in New Orleans for my last um, kind of suggestion here. Uh, Drew Holiday, kind of in that same price range as Eric Bledsoe, $6,900. He hasn't been shooting the ball very well this season as far as percentage wise. Um, But he shot the ball 12, 11, and 15 times. Um, He has yet to make a three-pointer which is shocking. Um, he's 0 for 11. I expect that to change. Um, his assists have been great eight 10 and nine respectively in each of the games. He's gotten two steals um, at least in every game so far. and one of these games, the shot's gonna fall at least a respectable clip from three. and if he can get you know 910 assists, if he can get those two steals, he has we know he has 45 to 50 fantasy point upside. Um, And at $6,900, I will will continue taking that risk um, pretty much every time, especially in a matchup against Brooklyn, where I have zero confidence in D'Angelo Russell's ability to guard Drew Holiday or Karis LeVert's ability or really just anybody else in that roster um, to check Drew Holiday.
1: I'm with you. I've got Drew Holiday in my DraftKings lineup as well. Um, The... Over under for for that game is two thirty seven, which is let's see, it's not the highest of the night. We've got uh, out in Sacramento, Washington, and Sacramento's two thirty seven and a half. Okay, um, let's see. Yeah, so two thirty seven. So I mean the the Nets Nets New Orleans game is going to be a monster. Um, and Washington Washington Sacramento is another one to target. Um, it's, you know, interesting, interestingly enough, um, you'd expect with the Rockets and how they were kind of the, the first team to really push this crazy pace and three pointers, you'd expect their game to have one of the highest over unders and it has the lowest tonight. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's different without Harden there. And just with the, the way they've influenced every other team's attack, uh, this season, like now the Rockets are almost like behind the times.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) um so we don't usually ken brings us out here with an outro um we don't really have any mispronounced names i think we both i think we did good right yeah i think that's we got what, everyone's name So
1: what happens when you get the old man out of here
2: i know um we don't have a quote we don't have uh we don't have a we don't have a train whistle so we're just gonna call it a day um yeah uh good luck to everyone in dfs and we will be back next friday and ken will be here in person
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash wire to learn more and find a center near you.